1: Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you here on uh, this uh, Wednesday in May, May 27th. and uh, we've got uh, a special UCF rewind with you here with the probably the you know there there have been a lot of duos in UCF sports history you know from in various different sports, but maybe no duo in any UCF sport was better than the pitching duo. Of Justin Pope and Jason Arnold of UCF baseball, Uh, they finished their respective careers in uh, 2001, and uh, both spent some time in the pros. But together, they were really a formidable one-two punch for UCF baseball. Eric Lopez, these two guys were—I came to UCF as a freshman in 2002, and it already felt like these guys were like you know had achieved legendary status at that time. You saw these guys. Pitch yeah. uh, at UCF. Just describe for us, you know, for those for those ever, who weren't listening, just what these guys were really like as pitchers.
0: Well, that was so cool because that was my first spring on campus, and that was the first year that what is now known as John Lyoliano Park, but it was called Jay Bergman Field, opened at that time. Because as you'll hear in the interview with Justin and Jason, they were playing off campus.
1: <laughs> yeah, they were playing at uh, at Old Tinker Field, which no longer exists, right, right. next to the Citrus Bowl. Uh,
0: right. So, and they had just come off a great 2000 year where they won the uh, regular season title and they got to the regional final in Tallahassee with Jason and and, and we kind of get into that, but you know, there's a lot of excitement there and it's funny, I remember I was at the first game ever played at the stadium against FIU. It was cold and windy and misty rain. FIU won the game. Little did we know, as it turns out, as we get that was Justin Pope's only loss that year. He won the rest of the way, had a monster year. Him and Jason Arnold were just in an electric one two punch and it was exciting. People were into it. This team was nationally ranked all year. It really picked up after they swept Alabama at home. I remember fans had brooms out on the Sunday, and uh it was just an amazing year of college baseball for UCF and you know we'll get into it later but i you know arguably the best ucf baseball team in program history uh i mean and we'll get into it but that was a year where stetson was really good with lenny denardo but this was a ucf team that had some transfers that really made immediate impact like a jeremy corella uh chad Ernsberger. i mean they added to that offense and then you had you know pope and arnold and arnold that year that was the year where they moved him to the starting role because he was a closer right uh and that's what's so fascinating about these two guys and their careers. Jason Arnold, you can make an argument, is the greatest, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, starting pitcher ever, or that he's the greatest closer in the history of the program. And then Justin obviously was a machine. Uh, and he's got the records to prove it, as you know, as you'll tell. But uh, it was just an electric one-two punch. And for me, it was a big influence of me following UCF baseball from that point on. I mean, I was hooked. Um and it was a fun year, and as we'll get into, deserved a better fate by people around them. I think at the end of the season because they uh, they deserve better than what they ended up getting in the postseason. But what a, what a it was it was cool to see that right in the first spring at that time. And you know you know this at that time men's basketball was playing at the at what's now known as the venue, right? And they weren't I would argue not as popular. They were. Uh, you know they had some down years. They they would maybe draw what a thousand. You would say
1: uh, it, at that time you you know for a big game like if they brought in Stetson it would be like twenty two thousand maybe twenty five hundred right. and that's in a, a an arena that allegedly sat fifty one hundred probably less than that. But uh, but you're right. Back then it was called just UCF Arena, um, and it was where everything was volleyball and both basketballs. But, uh, it w- but it would but it at that time it had a backseat to UCF baseball at the time I think that was pretty clear
0: yeah I mean and football obviously was still popular but that time that was that was 2001 they were about to go into their last year as an independent in football right and that we're now in the post Dante Culpepper era which was kind of like well we don't know what this football program is you know they were not a national brand right so it was kind of a fascinating time and pope and arnold just took the imagination dominating in the in the in the mound and putting up an an incredible season that i still think uh is tough to top there's been some good teams that have tried and we'll get into that later but what it was awesome to see those two guys pitch and uh it was cool for me to catch up with these two guys literally almost 20 years that was almost 20 years jeff 20 years uh in fact this upcoming february will be the 20 year anniversary of the 01 team Uh, yeah which is wild and uh, arguably one of the great UCF teams ever. And I recently had a chance to talk to both of them, who are still, by the way, involved in baseball, even today.
1: Right. So, Jason, just to recap real quick, just giving their bios before they came to UCF, before we toss it over to you with your conversation with them. Jason Arnold came to UCF from Melbourne High School um, and uh, was an all-conference performer every year he was at UCF uh, as a closer his first three years, and then he got thrown in as a starter. His yep. senior year in 2001, he goes 14-3 and three with a 1.97 ERA, 50, 150 strikeouts in 119 innings, uh, and was uh, – and again, all-conference – and was drafted uh, by the uh, New York Yankees in the second round. He had been drafted by the Cardinals in the sixteenth round the year before. Decided to stay at UCF, moved to the starting pitcher role, and then was right. and then had that amazing year and was drafted by the drafted by the Yankees. Now Justin Pope, on the other hand, from Wellington High School uh, down in Palm Beach County, um, was uh, you know kind of came on the scene as a sophomore. It was ten and three with a four point five six. Uh, you know pretty decently but then his junior year he really got going 15 and 1 with a 1.68 ERA 158 strikeouts and 27 walks in 123 innings he won the pitching triple crown in what was then the the TAC later became the the uh, A Sun and uh, it made the all conference team and was the player of the year that year uh-huh. um he was 4th in ERA in all of Division 1 Behind two guys, Dewan Brazelton and Mark Pryor, wow. <laughs> so that shows you how That's good he a was. Great name. yeah. And uh, I mean, and Mark Kenny, Pryor was an yeah.
0: icon. Uh, pitched for the Cubs, obviously, and Dewan Brazelton pitched for the Rays. Yeah, the double
1: Rays. And the, the other guy was Kenny Ball, but I don't know where Kenny Ball went. But anyway, um, at what this is, I think is the most amazing story about uh, or the most amazing stat about uh, Justin Pope was, uh, and this is from. Baseballreference.com. At one point, he threw 38 consecutive scoreless innings, breaking the Division I NCAA record, which was previously held by Roger Clemens.
0: Correct. Rocket Man in Texas. Yeah, that's pretty good company.
1: That's any, Anytime you beat out a record that was held by Roger Clemens at any level of baseball, you're pretty good. So uh, without further ado, Eric, well, actually, let me allow you the honors. You put this thing together. You got these two guys together in one shot, which I think is a, uh, a remarkable achievement in and of itself, given how busy they are, even with the pandemic as it is. But uh, but, but yeah, here, uh, without further ado, Eric.
0: Yeah, it's my honor to uh, say uh, we recently had a chance to catch up with two of the greats, two Hall of Famers, two CF Athletic Hall of Famers, Justin Pope and Jason Arnold here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right. And joining us now, of course, two UCF Hall of Famers. They've been each in the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. they were the one-two punch for UCF baseball, helping win the conference championship in 2000 and 2001. I speak of Jason Arnold and Justin Pope joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. How you guys doing?
2: Doing good, man. Glad to have, Glad to be here. Appreciate you having us
3: yeah likewise doing well and uh thank you guys for uh thank you for having us this should be a lot of fun let's start with you justin uh tell the audience what you've been up
0: to now recently
3: all right so uh i'm uh i guess I'll go from current to backwards so right now I'm with the uh miami marlins and uh my job title is pitching analyst um so it's kind of kind of something that they created um you know obviously in baseball now analytics is becoming a big part of it so um it's something they created so they reached out to me I was with the Yankees for the previous 16 seasons and long story short a lot of members of the Yank, the head uh I guess the head of player development for the Marlins reached out to me and asked me if it was something I'd be interested in. And obviously I definitely was. And um, so long story short, decided to make the change to go over to the Marlins. Um, and so that's where I am now. And obviously, like I said, i uh, been with the Yankees since really 2003 minus one year. Um, I was with the Phillies in 2008 and then went back to the Yankees in 2009. So, From 2003 until last year, I was with the Yankees playing, um, and then since 2010, coaching. And that's kind of in a nutshell where I am right now. That's pretty cool. I mean, Jason,
0: you've been obviously coaching in baseball as well. And tell us how that's been going since the last time we spoke.
2: Yeah, it's going good. Uh, Just finished sort of our second year at Eastern Florida. Um, Right at the halfway point there um junior college over here in Melbourne um in my hometown where we where I grew up um you know coached at some division one schools and some high school coaching and um yeah being back home being back in the college game is great I I love college baseball um and getting to do it kind of from your hometown with a, a lot of friends and family nearby is really special um my kids are you know of age where they really love baseball, my boys in particular. So they're at the field with me a lot. And um, it's a really neat setup uh, for me and for our family, for sure. Do you guys remember, and I'll start with you, Jason, do you remember the first time you met
0: Justin, when you met each other? I mean, Jason, obviously you came to UCF in 98. Uh, Justin, you came in 99, I believe. Uh, Do you guys remember when you guys met each other the first time there,
3: whether it be before practice or whenever?
2: I remember, for sure. Uh, I remember, too. Yeah, it was um, right away in the fall. Um, I had been there for a year already, and um, had a good freshman year. And what I remember about it was the weight room. And immediately they put him in the weight room in our in my group. It was like, all right, th- this is the next guy. You gotta, you guys are gonna better get used to each other. You're gonna work out together. And I remember. He was a two way guy when he got there. So he was a you know middle infielder, yeah. pitcher, switch hitter. And I was like, Who is this guy? You know, and um but we man, we hit it off pretty easily and pretty quick. You know, we were uh, fast friends pretty pretty early on there. Justin, yeah. what stood out when you met Jason?
3: So I remember Jason, you remember, we played on team Florida together remember mm-hmm. in Oklahoma Yep. I can't remember what year, it was I think it oh it was what year was that
2: it was after my I, senior year after your junior year
3: yes yeah, so that's the first time that's the first time that I remember me meeting, um, meeting you like on the first date we'll, we'll, we'll talk about college just remembering having a great freshman year um you know, just heard all kinds of great things about. Uh, obviously, that's somebody that I wanted to look up to and follow. And uh, you could tell he was already a, a leader on the team, being a sophomore, and from the season that he already had. And um, he worked hard, extremely hard. And um, you know, it, his actions he he's he's his his actions spoke louder than. I guess his words did because he was such a hard worker. Well, let's – Jason, let's talk about –
0: tell the people where you guys were playing your home games prior to 2001 because that was kind of a social media topic recently where some people weren't even aware that you guys weren't playing on campus.
2: Yeah, so my class in particular is the the rare group of six or eight of us that got to play in all three places. So we played at J. Bergman Field – Um, you know over on the opposite side of campus is all athletics is now we played there my freshman year and then um, when Justin got there we practiced there in the fall Um, but then we played at Tinker Field downtown next to the Citrus Bowl so we would literally take a bus to every single home game, and we did that for two years Uh, Justin's first two years and my middle two years and then you know, opening up the new stadium in 2001 was, I mean, it was awesome anyway, but after what we had been going through, man, we thought it was like the greatest thing ever, ever happened.
0: Were you, were you guys aware that we were going to get a new stadium? What was that like, Justin, to play off campus busing and then eventually finally, you know, in your last year in 2001, finally get to say, yeah, we're playing at
3: home and you got to pitch the first game ever at the,
0: what was called then Jake Bergman
3: Field yeah well I mean I guess I didn't really know anything, so I mean going off campus was kind of uh normal for me and but yeah, i mean they when when I was there on my recruiting visit, they had talked about building a new stadium um they had told me it was going to get done a lot sooner than what it did, but uh yeah so we we knew we knew it was in the works, it was just a matter of when it was going to get finished um but then uh you know once. It was finished and put on campus, and we were able to play our games there. I um, mean, it was so much fun to be able to play on, on campus and have that, um, you know, have that atmosphere and have that home field advantage, I guess you could say. Uh, I mean, it made it a lot of fun. And I guess, again, you know, looking back, the first few years, you didn't know any better, but then you get there and you finally play on campus and you and you kind of realize what, you, what you're really missing out on.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I'm looking, I mean, from 99-2000, you guys got to play at LSU. You had a home-and-home home series with LSU and played at LSU 99 and then hosted them in 2000. You played teams as well. You played at Alabama. You got to play in some pretty cool places. What was your favorite road and, uh, place you got to? You guys got to go visit? Starting with you, Justin, which was your play, favorite road place uh, visiting uh,
3: ballpark? Um, well, it was not LSU, I'll tell you that much. Because I did not <laughs> – I did not get out of the second inning. <laughs> so, I remember my first I, – I think I pitched the the first game there because I think we just had like a two-game series. Yeah, two. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I pitched two games – had two-game series, so I had the first game. First inning went well. Second inning, not so much. <laughs> Gave up like seven runs, maybe one out later, and then uh, that was all she wrote. So, not LSU. Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, looking back on it um, – I don't really know.
2: South Carolina was a cool atmosphere at the end. Yeah,
3: like, yeah, yeah. yeah. South Carolina was fun um, in the regionals. Florida State was a lot of fun too in the regionals.
2: Yeah. Um, LSU's yeah, atmosphere was crazy. I mean, yeah. I have never, I have never was been real- in an environment like that. That was yeah. wild. Yeah. They had like signs and markers and they were doing research on you before you got there. That was the day before, that oh, was way before cell phones and all that. They would know everything about every guy. <laughs> it was, it was pretty cool to play the uh, to play there, but no,
3: we didn't play well there. That's for sure.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah he's probably. I probably agree. And LSU was probably the. I mean, most intense atmosphere. But minus you know getting, you know, my tail. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Sure. But uh, good experience for sure. We won at Alabama on Friday night. I remember
2: Casey Kennedy pitched a real good game mm-hmm. there. Uh, that was good. The atmosphere yep. – I mean, our our last year, the atmosphere at Stetson with a top-10 matchup was pretty awesome, man. Um, yeah. Going there and whooping them three games at their place yep. and we're both ranked top-10, that was pretty awesome. Too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's what I was actually – that's actually the first – when you first said it, that's actually the first thing that came to my mind was Stetson just because of – there's a lot of hype and state rivalry. Um, both schools are close to each other. And then, like Jason said, we went in there and, and, and whooped them and swept them, which was was really nice. Yeah, you swept them. We're going
0: to get into that more in depth in a little bit. But the 2000, you guys got to the NCAA tournament. It was the first time since 97 that the team, the program had been to back into the NCAA tournament. You got sent to Tallahassee, and you beat Florida State. And that winner's bracket, it was a wild game. That was the Marshall McDougall led Knowles two teams, if I recall correctly there. Uh, Jason, what do you remember about this? I think you closed in that game, if I recall. I could be wrong on that because you were kind of in the closer role at that point in 2000. But what was it like to be back to be in the NCAA tournament that first time in
2: Tallahassee? Yeah, Justin pitched that game, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. the one that we won. And he pitched yeah. great. Um, it had to be seventh inning-ish when I came in. And um, facing their first rounder, John Ford Griffin, who I ended up being traded with a couple of times, played together in the minor leagues for a long time. And it was maybe we were up by two. And it was probably a 10, 12, 14 pitch at bat. And he hit an opposite field grand slam off me. Um, I had just come in the game. So I kind of blew the game for Justin. Um, And then our team rallied back. And I threw a couple scoreless innings to finish the game um and actually i think i got the win but justin's the one who pitched his butt off that game and and we i mean looking back on it now it's like you know me against john ford griffin and this awesome at bat and you know he got the best of me that day and um you know the place was going crazy you know regional atmosphere they took the lead and then we came back and won so that was uh yeah that was awesome (laughs) that was a good day for sure
0: Justin, what do you remember from that start and pitching until in Talahit, uh right there at, uh, you know, Dick Howser Stadium there in the regionals there?
3: Yeah. Um, I just remember it being a lot of fun. And uh, I just remember that I really wanted to pitch well to give us a chance to win because then that would have put us up 2-0 and then we would have gone in on Sunday, you know, kind of in the driver's seat. And whoever we would have played on that Sunday would have had to beat us twice. Um you know, it ended up being Florida State. But, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's one of those occasions where it's like, okay, you know, it's a, it's a big moment for you. Let's see, you know, let's see how good you really are. I mean, I had a pretty good sophomore year. Um, you know, they had a pretty good team. Again, you know, they had a first rounder in the lineup. You know, a bunch of guys who could hit pretty well. Um, so, it was just – it was a challenge going into a hostile environment um, and just seeing really what – what you could do and how you, how you match up against a good team.
0: How much confidence do y'all as a team get, got from that experience, even though you, you ended up, you know, falling short in the regional final against Florida state, they were seventh seed in that tournament, but how much did that help you for the following season in 2001 and have the year that you guys ended up having?
2: Yeah, I think it helped us a lot going into their place on the road and, you know, not just hanging in them, but beating them, beating them again. And, and, made us understand that, you know, all this hard work that we've been putting in and, you know, winning our conference, and we could compete on the national level. And the amount of confidence that the team played with our last year, I've never been on a team like that. I've coached ever since then. And um, that team, we didn't just think we were good. We knew we were good. And um, every time we went out, we expected to win. And uh, most of the time we did. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, you did. I mean, that, that that did you feel the same way, Justin? I mean, going into that
0: 2001 year?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing for me, too, I feel like one of the things that hurt us um, that Sunday against Florida State and how they beat us twice is we just ran out of depth in arms. They had more depth than we did, you know, and then so going into that 2001 season, we got a guy named Brad Busman from Georgia Tech who we thought could really help us out and – you know, with Jason and myself, um, and then we get Buzzman coming along. We felt like we had a really good rotation, and this this we could really match up well going into an going into a regional with three three really good arms. Um, you know, and then plus with the position players that we had, and he had a couple transfer come come in. So we felt like we had a really good um, opportunity to do something special that year. And like Jason was saying, I mean, God, that year was so much fun. That was the most fun I've ever had playing baseball, going to the ballpark every day. Um, We just, we knew we were going to win every game. You know I mean? Even when we were down, it was just a matter of time when we were going to come back. Um, I mean, all the guys, great guys, great group group of guys, the coaches, you know, quality guys on the team. Um, You know, so it was, again, it was just a lot of fun and, I know I, someone asked me this a couple of weeks ago. If I could go back for one year, it would be 2001 hands down. No question. I mean, that year was just so much fun from, from the fall all the way through um, to the end of the regular season.
2: Yeah. I can remember in the fall, like almost every day after practice, driving to the other side of campus and like <laughs> checking to see how the field was coming along. and be like, oh, man. Is it going to be ready? Is it going to be ready? Yeah, and you're just looking, you're like, man, this is going to be awesome. And um, yeah, the, definitely my fondest baseball memories without question is that year too. And um, I, I answer that to everybody. I mean, all the cool things we got to do in pro ball and, and all that are great. And had some great experiences as a little kid, but nothing beats that year. Not, not even close.
3: Yeah, you know, and kind of like what Jason was saying too earlier about the college experience. I mean, the camaraderie on a college team, for me, it doesn't even compare to pro baseball, you know. Um, I mean, it's just something special being around the guys in college. And, I mean, you are out there competing your tail off every single day, and you're you're playing to win, you know. I mean, everyone's home for each other. I'm not saying that happened in Pro Bowl, but obviously you get some guys who are out there for themselves too, um, but it seems like the teams who do well, everybody's pulling together, and that was that was what made that year so magical man literally everybody was rooting for each rooting for each other, and it was really fun.
0: And, Jason, you talked about this. This was was the year you got moved into the starting role permanently, right? Like, because you've been uh, used as a dominant closer and things. Just take us through the process there, what your role would be in 01, because Justin mentioned it earlier. You would be joining the rotation permanently there and turns out form that one-two punch with you guys, uh, with you and Justin.
2: Yeah, it started um, – so after my junior year, after 2000, you know – Everything had, was looking towards me going to the draft and, and not coming back for my senior year. That was kind of the, the move that everyone expected, myself included, and the um, coaching staff. And, and the draft happened and, you know, I got drafted and just didn't work out like, um, like we expected or thought it was going to. And when it started getting later in the summer and the idea of me possibly coming back to school for that last year started to become a reality met with coach Bergman and coach Cozart and coach Frady and um, sat down and they said you know if you come back you know we think that you should be a starter I said they, they thought that the only reason that the draft didn't go as well as I it could have is because I didn't pitch enough and really I didn't learn how to pitch until that last year I really just kind of relied on my fastball and was able to throw the ball by guys most of the time in a closer role and then my senior year I was able to to develop my off-speed pitches and throw a lot more innings and um, you know they thought and I agree that that was my best opportunity personally but then it also was certainly what was best for the team too it seemed like so um, kind of an I love closing if I'm being honest um, that was the role that I preferred between all the roles I ever had in pro ball and, and in college and everything the adrenaline of that role is uh, is unmatched but um, if it wasn't for Justin and me and him getting to pitch together on the weekends, and a lot of times we pitched on the same day, uh, which people don't realize we would have double headers in conference and yeah. me and him would pitch on the same day. And but you'd be get done at the park after eight, nine hours at the park. And we'd be leaving and we'd look at each other and I'll just be like, yeah, I feel bad for them after that. <laughs> they went a whole double header, like, nah, not good. Teams were... Almost every single conference team threw their ace on Sunday um, to avoid pitching against either one of us. Um, and, you know, it's just stuff like that, mean, Just those are the things you remember. And well, the mm. memories and the fun that me and him had together on road trips, on the bus, and, you know, just competing with each other was the stuff that I'll never forget. And that was awesome. Mm.
0: How did you guys make each other better? I would imagine, right? Because, I mean, you're both – you probably fed off something what Jason did, right, Justin? And then, Jason, you – Justin did things that made you better. And there was probably not like maybe a little internal competition of trying to bring the best out of it because, hey, you know that the other guy is going to throw a gem. You got to follow that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You get that friendly competition going. Um, I mean, you know whoever was going to throw, you know, the first game, he was going to throw really well. You know, and probably dominate. So you wanted to kind of set the tone uh, uh, for the next for the next guy, and try to put yourself in a situation where you pitch just as well as he did, if not better. Um, but too, you know, you pitch you pitched in that first game, that opening game, whatever. You, you want to set the tone for that weekend. You know, you wanna you wanna let these teams know, like, hey, we are as good as we are because of our pitching, um, and it's because of our top two guys, you know, I mean, it's one A, one B, really, you know, I mean, and uh, it could have gone either way, but he just wanted to set the tone. Um, and then, you know, the guy coming in uh, behind whoever got that opening day, um, our opening game of the series, you know, he just, he just uh, picked up right where the other guy left off and buried the team, you know, I mean, just put him in a hole and gave him a chance to, to win, and then they have to go into Sunday and just feel defeated, and and then our offense would take over and crush them. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, we're both competitive guys. Um, you know, we worked extremely hard in between our starts. We wanted to get better. You know, we wanted to get drafted too. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna hide that either. You know, I mean, I, I know Jason probably had a chip on her shoulder. What happened the year? Um, you know, so he wanted to go out and prove people wrong of how good he was. And I mean, he, and he was good. I mean, his stuff was incredibly good. And, and then myself, I saw what happened. And again, you know, I wanted to get drafted that year and you hear some things, you know, uh, you know, hear some rumors kind of being brought up, but then you're thinking, well, you never know what's going to happen. So you just wanted to go out there and, and give your best and, um, and leave everything on the field. And I know Jason did the same thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, Justin pitched the first game of every weekend and, um, It was awesome for me because of his preparation. The the way he prepared between starts was um, something that I needed to learn better, not having started in a long time, Um, and something that wasn't as natural for me uh, as it was for him. Um, And to watch him prepare and dominate, I mean, he lost on opening day, and that was the, the whole season. Imagine that. I mean, that's like half of a year. He didn't lose again the rest of his career, and for me to get to follow that every time and see his preparation, um, you know, my strengths lied with you know in the game, competitiveness, and uh, like that. That stuff was uh, I wasn't going to let you beat me during the game, but I got to learn a lot from him between starts of what it looks like to prepare to be a starting pitcher, um, and then uh, following him. Jeez, man, that was fun. I mean, it just you get there in the game too, and they just feel like the guys are in a slump already. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty cool for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, talk about the offense you guys have brought up. Talk about some of the players that you had, not only defensively behind you, but uh, and as well as catching, but offensively. Because that was a stacked team. Jeremy Corrella in shortstop, stands out. Uh, Aaron, you know, some of the guys that maybe didn't get the attention, because a lot of the attention would go towards you guys, the way you, the years you were having, but you had a stacked team behind you, Jason. So, did you talk about the guys behind you and some of the guys that, for those that maybe didn't get a chance to see your team play.
2: Yeah. When all you have to do is pull up a uh... Pull up a UCF media guide online and check out the offensive numbers from the 2001 season because they're unbelievable. Uh, mm-hmm. Chad Ernsberger, you know, transferred from Ohio State, and like you said, Jeremy Carella transferred from Northwestern. I um, mean, Jeremy Frost had a big year, and Mike Myers in the outfield. I mean, we were loaded at, at every single position. Mike Fox had a huge culminating year for his last year there. Um, mm-hmm. I, if you look back at the number, it was something ridiculous the amount of guys off of that team that got drafted eventually or played professional baseball. I think it was over 20 um, yeah. on that team alone. Um, I mean, Our backup catcher, George Cox, who really caught me most of the time, um, was one of the best receivers I ever had in my life. And, you know, yeah. what did he play, Justin? He probably played 20 games all year, yeah. that year yeah. something like that. And he was unbelievable. And A good friend of mine yeah. that grew up here locally. And Mike Myers, you know, hit at the top of the lineup and he just brought that swagger and that confidence and, and the rest of the team really fed off of him offensively, I always thought. Um, but, man, you can't that, – that whole team give the – you know, being a coach now for so long, especially at the college level, is give that coaching staff a lot of credit for the group they put together for that season and that run where they knew they had a chance to be special and, and we sure were. Um, so I give a lot of credit to those guys that – uh, you don't think about it in the moment, you know, you just think we're really good. But looking back, you're like, man, how'd you get all those guys? <laughs> it's pretty cool.
3: Yep.
0: Justin, what do you remember about some of your teammates there offensively and then who your catcher as well? I mean, uh, Justin talked about his catcher. You had your catcher.
3: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, really along the same lines as what Jason was just saying, but Jeremy, so Jeremy Frost, he caught me um, all the time and, I mean, we were just on the same page every game and locked in. And, I mean, he just made it easy where you just had to go out there and compete and try to execute your pitches. And he took he took the thinking out of it, which as a pitcher, you, you want that to happen. You want to be able to go out there and just worry about executing your pitches. And you know that the catcher, he's putting down the right fingers and you're trusting him. Um, so, I mean, we had a good relationship. And, and uh, we came in. He was a junior also. So, we came in together as freshmen. And um, you know, so we spent three years together and um we had a good relationship and it just carried over onto the field as well.
2: Well, what sticks out to me about that group, man, is the toughness of the guys. I and mean, that that team was tough. I mean, you um you get guys like Jeremy Frost and George Cox and Jason Graham, um, and you know, myself and Justin and Mike Myers, I mean, Corella and Chad Ernsberg, I mean, these are guys that are I mean, mentally tough, and um, kind of a group of kids that you really didn't want to mess around with. You know, there wasn't a lot of uh, pretty boy drama going on on that team. It was
3: a bunch of guys that were there to work and compete and prove that we're the best. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, grinders. You know, I mean, we grind. They, the guys on offense, they grinded out every AB. They never gave ABs away. Again, it was just only a. You know, getting late in the games, we were down. It was only a matter of time before guys would start coming through and we would take the lead. But, uh, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, there was some serious, serious toughness and grit on that team
0: one of the uh, series that certainly is well-remembered is the uh, when you guys swept Alabama at home. Your, Alabama was 11th ranked. It was packed at Jay Berman. Uh, that was brought up this year when UCF uh, went up to Auburn this year and swept Auburn uh, early in the year. And, and that was the the only times that a you know, UCF baseball team has swept an SEC team. Ranked that high uh tell what do you guys remember justin starting with you what do you remember about that alabama series and that sweep because that was a signature moment there i think that kind of put you guys on the map and skyrocketed from a ranking standpoint from here from that point on
3: yeah i mean i think you know we we knew they were coming in um we had played them the year before and me personally um i had some vengeance out for them for sure because you know i Didn't pitch very well at their place, so I was like, "This is revenge. I want revenge." And but two, I think as a team, it was a good opportunity to see where we stood, how good we really were, Um, and we definitely took um, took care of the opportunity. You know, took advantage of it for sure. Um, But I mean, I yeah, I mean, I just remember us just playing really well, and um, again, just taking advantage of a great opportunity.
2: Yeah, I think um, you said it best, Erica, that that was the moment that I knew we were really good. After that weekend, like we thought we were really good and, and we practiced like we were really good. But after that weekend, it was like, we were, in the, we're as good as anybody. We can beat anybody at any time. And, you know, I think that Justin can, can concur that, you know, at that time and to some degree today, still, I'll agree with that. But especially at that time there was that UCF was the little brother feeling of, uh, you know, we're a group of guys that, yeah, we're division one guys, but we weren't good enough to be SEC guys. Or, um, and there was a little bit of that going on and we wanted to make it clear that that didn't matter. Um, and we dominated them on the mound. I mean, all three mm-hmm. games, especially the first two games, we dominated them on the mound. Um, I don't even remember the amount of guys we punched out, but it was not what they were expecting, I'm sure. Um, But what I remember the most is the dang throw from left field, from Jason Graham. They had a guy (laughs) trying to score from second to tie the game on a base at the left with two outs in the ninth, and he threw a missile home and gunned him out at the plate to end the game to sweep the series. I mean, that throw is like a – A signature moment of that season for me. That was, and I mean, neither one of us was playing. We had already pitched or just in the dugout. And I can just remember going bananas after that. Yeah. (laughs) And the game like that is pretty cool. So, yeah. That was awesome. All the brooms in the stands. I remember that day. That was fun, yeah.
0: Yes, I was in attendance. I was a student at the time. That was my first year at UCF, and uh, that was kind of cool. I mean, that was fun at that time to go out to the stadium after a class during a midweek game and go and watch you guys play or on the weekend like that Alabama one. I didn't have a broom, but I was one of the few (laughs) that had that broom. And, you know, that kind of started And, Justin, for you – you—I know, mean that your year—and Jason mentioned it earlier. You started the opener against FIU. I remember I was there. It was cold, windy. It was a lousy weather day, but that was it. You didn't lose another game the rest of the year. Just in fact, you at the time you broke Roger Clemens and college baseball NCAA record for most uh, innings pitch without giving up a run. Uh, you went 38 and a third innings pitch without giving up a run. Just tell me about how you got locked in that year and got into a zone. You would have that All-American year and get drafted high, but just take me through that year. What, what kind of locked in for you there that year?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Locked in for sure. Um, I don't even know if I can describe it, to be honest with you. I mean, it was just, it was just one of the things where everything clicked. Um, I mean, my body, my arm, my mind, everything felt so good every game. Maybe minus the first game because it was so cold and I wanted to do so well. And I remember in the fall, I went the entire fall without walking a hitter. And same thing, spring leading up to the first game when we had to have inter squads, I went the whole spring without walking a hitter. What do I do the very first hitter <laughs> of the game of the season? I walked them. <laughs> So I was pissed. I was pissed. I hated walking, guys. I did not want to give in, um, you know. And two, it, the first game, man, it was just one of those things where I was just—I think I put too much pressure on myself, and I wanted to do too so much. And I wanted to go out there, and you wanted to punch out everybody, and you wanted to open up the stadium in a grand style, and you know, get a win and start your junior season off on a on a high note. And and I didn't. And uh, but kind of going back to what Jason was saying is my preparation. I mean, probably my preparation and my routine is, is everything to me. Um, I mean, in between starts, I felt like I worked my tail off, Um, busted my butt in the weight room, got my running in, Um, my, my, my bullpen, my side work, I feel like we're quality. And I just, I felt like, I mean, I think both of us, I just, I felt like I was on a mission that year and I really wanted to do well Um, and again, you're going into the season and, and you have these expectations for yourself and you you hear, you hear these grumblings of what might could happen at the end of the season. So I just wanted, I just wanted to capitalize on that stuff and do the best that I could. And I'm such a competitor. I wanted to go out there and and do the best I could. Obviously not for only for myself, but for my team also, and and give our team a, a chance to win. Um, but it just seemed like everything was clicking every game um and i just i always felt well but again i i contributed to the work i i put in in between um in between outings in between starts and Jason, you're like you mentioned. You were following Justin almost every
2: game.
0: You had to follow that, um, and you did. You almost matched him. I mean, your your numbers are eerily similar. I mean, as I look back, uh, Justin, your ERA was one point six eight. Jason, you were one nine seven. Uh, J- Justin, you had 158 strikeouts and 123 innings. Jason, you had 150 in 118 innings. You neither neither one of you walked any but many people. Uh, Jason, your uh, your whip was under one, was .96. What was that like? Though? I mean, clearly you guys are feeding off each other. But you're following Justin at that point where he's just on a roll and throwing zeros on the, and you got to follow
2: that. Ah, it was awesome. That he make no question. There's no debate about it. He made me good that year he was a huge part of of my success that season with all of his success and I didn't want to get left behind that's how I felt I was like man I gotta keep up with this guy and um I'm telling you there's days I don't know how many I have to look back at it I think I had maybe 17 starts um probably six or eight of them at least were on doubleheader days maybe half of them and the doubleheader days but those were the best, and You know, usually the hitter has the advantage of the doubleheader day because the more pitching you see, you feel better by the end of the day. But I would go see a guy team in the middle of their lineups 0 for 3 with two punch outs and a weak ground ball. You're like, they're already demoralized by the time that I get out there. And then um, I had a different pitching style than Justin, so it wasn't like what I was going to do was the same as what he did earlier in the day or the night before. So – um, they really couldn't make an adjustment on the fly. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it was – pitching after him was, was a blast, man. It, uh, it made, you know, the first game of the series a lot of fun for us, um, for me to watch. And then um, I could learn a lot about guys um, and, and how they tried to approach hitting off of him and what they were going to maybe do against me. Um, but it was uh, – it was, a, like you said, season that we'll never forget. I can't understate. I can't overstate um, the enjoyment that we have, I think, uh, competing together and watching each other have success that year. We'll be back with Jason Arnold and Justin Pope
1: after this.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
1: Now let's return to our conversation with Jason Arnold and Justin Pope.
0: You met. You guys mentioned earlier,
1: Justin. You mentioned it
0: earlier. Obviously, you guys would steamroll from that Alabama series on. You would steamroll through the most of the season up until May. Big showdown in Delane against Stetson. They were ranked eighth at the time. Had Lenny Dernardo, who was a hype pitcher who was going to get drafted high. There was a lot of hype, but this was a hoopla. It's still to this day maybe the biggest UCF Stetson series of all time. You're we both in the same conference at the same time. That might have been one of Pete Dunn's best teams he's ever had there. Take me through that game, that weekend as you get ready to play it in that showdown where you know that the conference championship the pitcher of the year award and everything's on the line in that series
3: yeah you know again pitching that friday night game you just want to go out there and you know set the tone for the weekend and and show these guys like we're serious we're a good team you guys aren't gonna you know you guys you get you guys better come become ready to play because we're uh we mean business and uh so I, I just yeah again I just remember being a lot a lot of hype for that game just because of DiNardo, who was obviously a great pitcher and up until that point he was having a great had, had a great career but he was having a great career great season up until that point um you know so again it's one of those things where it's like okay challenge yourself see how good you really are you're facing a good team facing a good pitcher um you think you're good but show it how good are you? And then at the same time you want to go out there and again put your team in a good situation to get a win but then also set the tone for the weekend. And you
0: did. I mean I mean I'm looking at the scores here. You crushed them 12 to 5 in that first game of that series. Uh, so offense just exploded there on May fifth, and then you beat them seven to three and nine to eight on the doubleheader on the sixth. Uh, Jason, talk about that. How big was it? The sweep, Stetson, and then your bullpen, right? Because your bullpen has comes into play in these games too, there, Jason. Because you know you would know about it being a, a closer yourself, and your bullpen closing the door because Stetson was desperate to get some wins at home there, and they were able to shut the door to complete the sweep.
2: Yeah, well, that was. a uh, I, I can't remember the. Leading up to that series, you know, towards the end of the year, I, I, I'm betting that we didn't even have a midweek game that week. Um was uh, a lot of hype in the newspaper and even on the news, I think we did an interview, me and Justin did an interview um, with one of the local news stations and there yeah, was a lot of local that. hype for that series. Um, and and it, maybe it was just the way that me and Justin prepared uh, with that chip on our shoulder. But it just felt like they thought they were better than us. And um, whether they actually felt that or not, I think we told ourselves that anyway. And uh, we kind of felt like we had a, a statement, you know, to make. And, um, and Justin goes out there and dominates. And the offense really carried us the whole weekend. And we pitched well. Yeah, yeah. It was ridiculous that weekend. Um, yeah. But to your point about the bullpen, yeah, we had a lot of good, a lot of good arms on that team. Um, that were kind of unknowns going into the year and really stepped up. You know, Zach Sutton turned into kind of our ace relief guy at the end of the games. And um, and Von Sturzbach pitched a lot of big innings for us. Um, you know, we had Paul Lebrano, who was a freshman, who that was his only year at UCF, but he pitched some good games for us. Um, and Burt Clark, another freshman who played four years there at UCF. Um, and we had Justin Serrato. I mean, these are all guys, most of them all played pro ball. Um, to some Mm -hmm. level later on, um, was a deep group. Uh, Put it this way, we had Jason Graham, who started in the outfield, got drafted to be a pitcher and played professional baseball as a pitcher and never even pitched on that team. That's how good our pitching staff was. Mm -hmm. that We didn't even have to consider him as a pitcher, even though later on he played professionally as a pitcher. So, um, yeah, it's a special group, top to bottom, no doubt. You go on to the following
0: weekend, sweep Georgia State, win the regular season title. You go to Jacksonville in the conference tournament, uh, and you win the championship. Jacksonville forced an, if necessary, game. it was a double elimination format back then. Uh, so they, fought, they you dropped the game to Jacksonville to force an if-necessary game, but I felt like it kind of made you guys a lot angrier because you crushed them in the championship game 11-2 uh, to two to win the tournament. So You win the regular season in the tournament. What do you remember about that week in Jacksonville and winning that tournament? And where, where, where was the mindset at that time? Were you guys thinking about, hey, we could host, or did you know you couldn't host because of the stadium? What was the chatter around that time?
2: I think we, we – there was definitely chatter about us hosting. Um, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking – it was during the season I was talking to one of my players about that experience at the conference tournament. Um, and we won Justin's game and then we won my game. And then we lost, like you said, to get to the, to the if necessary game. And I can – all I remember about that was after we lost, it was like we were so mad that we had to stay for another game. There was no like, doubt that we were going to win that game. It was just like, really? like You really think that we're, you're going to beat us? We've got to play another game? I can just remember that mentality of like, I wasn't nervous at all. Like, we were not going to win. And um, we went out there and smoked them that last game. Yeah, I don't think that the reality of us not being able to host um, was conveyed to us until after the fact. Um, I don't think that, I don't know, really, maybe Justin, you remember more clearly, but I don't remember the coaching staff or anybody around us saying, oh, your stadium's not big enough, you're never going to host. Like, I didn't think that was a thing. They were talking about bringing in temporary seating to add to the, the size of the stadium, and we knew that our RPI um, was going to be top 16, no doubt, and so give us that opportunity. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was yeah definitely a disappointing moment when we realized – we earned the one seed, but had to go.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Yeah.
2: Justin, what do you re- what do you remember from that week in Jacksonville? Winning that
0: tournament, winning the regular season, in the tournament title, uh, and and you know, kind of, hey, where, you know, are you we're gonna host, or are we not gonna host? And finding out you weren't gonna
3: host. So, real quick, with the tournament, do you have uh, do you have the line score of the game I pitched in front of you? For any uh, chance? Let's see. I don't. I have the results
0: of the tournament games. Uh,
3: I the Buc- no, the uh, the conference tournament. Oh, conference. So, anyways, what? Just from what I remember for that conference tournament, it's kind of on a selfish note. Is I think I was. I think I was taken out in like the sixth inning or something like that, middle of the sixth. And <laughs> one of the coaches came up to me. He Wasn't our pitching coach. Uh, wasn't the head coach either? I don't want to say his name, but he came up and was like. At the time, he was like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're getting tired out there. I, you weren't pitching really well. I'm like, I struck out 11 dudes, man. What are you talking about? So then he came up to me after the game, and he goes, I didn't realize you had 11 strikeouts in, like, five innings, whatever. I'm like, eh, whatever. So that's what I remember that about that conference tournament, about the game I pitched. But, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of along the same lines as Jason. I mean, we were playing for a one seed you know, and, and hoping to host. Because, again, we heard some rumblings about it. Um, and then, you know, when we got the word that we weren't hosting, um, you know, we got fired up and then we were a one seed going to South Carolina. I mean, that kind of, that kind of pissed me off too, a little bit. Sorry. I don't know if I can say it or not, but it kind of, I I felt the same way. Everybody did. (laughs) So, I mean, just because it's great to be a one seed, but to go to South Carolina in that environment, I was like, man, what a slap in the face. Um, you know, so it was like, that's is brutal but you know it is what it is so we just had to go handle business
1: I, I'm glad
0: I'm glad you guys shared that because I was wondering that because I remember at the time I was perplexed by that I to have a team that was oh we're, you're good enough to be a one seed but yet you're going to be travel which is very rare like I don't even think that would happen in today's college baseball anymore where you're if you're hosting unless your facilities just aren't Capable, and even then, I, I think Coastal Carolina, for example, they've hosted in new, you know, minor league parks. UConn has hosted in minor league parks, so there is ways to host. I just never understood why we didn't host, except that I thought we got screwed. I don't know if it was financial related, motivated, or brand motivated, but uh, I, I kind of was perplexed myself because you guys certainly earned it. I feel like in today's college baseball, you guys would have hosted, especially now with the
3: renovations
2: since. Mm, no doubt about that. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: mean, and, and it's such a huge, huge advantage to, in my opinion, to have home field advantage, especially in college baseball. I mean, because you go to, when we went to South Carolina, even Florida State the year before, it's freaking draining. Like when we played at LSU and Alabama, those places, I mean, those fans, like Jason was saying earlier, those fans do their homework and they are all over you. And I mean, it's draining. You're trying to, as a pitcher, you're, you know, you're trying to get guys out, execute pitches, compete. But then yet you're trying to block out the noise of guys bringing things up, um, of what you did early in the season or in your career, whatever it may be. Um, you know, so it would have been really nice to be able to pitch in front of your home crowd and, and have people rooting for you, not against you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd imagine. So you go to South Carolina, you're playing Princeton. The opening game, it's a Friday. I will never forget, I'm listening on the radio to Mark Daniels calling the game because back then there was no TV coverage of the regionals like they are now with ESPN and bases loaded. Like <laughs> like very few regionals, if at all, got televised. And if they did, it was usually local. So you're in South Carolina, you're playing Princeton, and I wa- and, and, and it was a crazy game. A wild shootout breaks out, back and forth game. Princeton jumps out to a big lead. Uh, they were the four seed, a scrappy team from the Ivy League. We come back. Jason, your number gets called out of the, like the old days, out of the bullpen to close this game out, which probably wasn't planned, I'm sure. Uh, but just take me through that game as you used We pull it out 13 to 12 win over Princeton, but they had to be used to make sure you preserve the win and get to the winner's bracket.
2: Yeah, this is uh, probably the story I tell the most to the guys. And, you know, my – try not to talk about my experiences too much with my my players, but this is the one that sticks out the most to me for so many reasons. But, yeah, we decided to go with our number three starter um, the first game, and and he didn't pitch very well. Um, And I think we went with three other relievers, guys, that I have named that all pitched in pro ball not like three back-end guys, like three of our guys. <clears throat> and none yeah. of them could get these guys out. I mean, they looked like the 1927 Yankees against us. They were out there and <laughs> everything. And um, I won't forget it. It was uh, it was the sixth inning, and we had got down. It was like 11 to 5. And he comes – he looks uh, – me and Justin are watching the game together just on the rail side by side, like, is this really how it's going to end? Like, where, this is what's going to happen? And he looks over to me and he says, go get your cleats on. And I was like, <laughs> come again? And um, so I was, and it was a mad dash, man. I had my, my inner closer days came back out and I had my cleats on and I was loose probably in three minutes. And um, <clears throat> I went in the game and finished the sixth inning and um, ended up having, I think we won in 12. I think I threw five and two thirds or six innings of relief. Um, something of that nature Um, and uh, we were able to come back and get the win so I mean it could have been worse I could have threw four or five innings and we lost Um, but uh, yeah that was demoralizing to what the plan was for us um, for the rest of the weekend for sure. You're right. It was a 12-inning game, so
0: you're 12-inning yep. game. I mean, that was wild, Justin. What was it like watching it from the bull, uh, dugout, this game going as a marathon game, and Jason has to be used to come in and relief in that game for you guys to pull it out, and your offense as well pulling it out?
3: Yeah, it was one of those things where it's respect to your opponent, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we felt like – I mean, even though it was Princeton, they were still a pretty good offensive team. Um, but we still feel like we had a pretty good chance, pretty good opportunity to take care of business with who we had on the mound. And, um, and we were hoping that if we took care of business with who we had, that would leave Jay and that would have put us in a really, really good situation in um, a really good position. And, I mean, if it were to come down to two games with Jason and myself on the mound, I'm betting on us every single time. On you know during those days, but um, yeah. I mean, it just it just sucked. Like I'm like I'm like first off, I'm thinking how are we gonna how are we gonna pull this game off? And then um, you know Jason comes in, he takes care he does what he needed to do, took care of business. We come back and win. And then that kind of – that led us into the next day, Saturday, where we were South Carolina. And I knew – I ended up throwing a complete game that game. I you knew, had to I know. You myself, had to know you were throwing a complete I, game when you yes, woke up. <laughs> I, I, yeah, before I went to bed, I knew <laughs> I had to throw a complete game. And that was, you know, really probably the only chance that we would have had to win is to go and – is throwing a complete game um, which, which it happened, you know, I mean, I, I ended up throwing a complete game. Um, I'm, I think I threw like 149 pitches or something like that. But, um, as a competitor, you know, you want the ball, I mean, as a starter, you want to throw the first pitch and you want to throw that last pitch, especially I remember in that environment. I mean, it was so hostile. Um, yeah, again, as a competitor, you, you want to, you you want to beat those guys and, and silence that crowd. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, okay, how are we going to find a way to, to pull it off this weekend and, and move on well, and arguably, Justin, it's one of your it's it's
0: it's one of the most memorable performances of all time. Because I mean, I've spoken to Mark Daniels about. It. I wrote about this about a couple of years ago when we talked. I did a story on some of the greatest UCF individual performances, and I had interviewed Mark about it. And I asked him, like, what what baseball performances stand out to? And he brought up your game against South Carolina because of the situation there was in. He mentioned that game at the bat, UCF's batter's box on the on deck circle, the hitter were getting thrown with pennies and batteries from the South Carolina fans. The environment was insane. Uh, And he he said that you battled and battled and that you knew you weren't going to come out because of what happened the day before because everybody basically got used uh, in the game. (laughs) And he he said there was never a thought of going to the bullpen and he threw a big pitch after big pitch as UCF Uh, held on to win that game. He said, it's one of the best performances any UCF baseball player he has seen in all his years of broadcasting baseball. He said, Pope, your performance and pitch count cannot be forgotten considering the stakes of the game, the crowd and the moment. He said, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, what was that like in that environment? I mean, you know you're, you're, you're up against it. They're a tremendous team, as we would find out later. South Carolina would have go all the way to the National Championship Series uh, that year, and you're playing at their park. It's packed, NCC crowd. Mark described that People are throwing stuff at the hitters, and you're able to overcome that and get one of, maybe one of your signature wins of your career.
3: Yeah, so leading up to that game, I mean, I was pretty much sick to my stomach because I knew what I had to do. You know and I, I don't mean to be selfish or anything like that. I mean I could not eat breakfast. Uh pretty much warming up uh when I was in a dugout getting ready to go out. I mean I'm like, I'm about to throw up. You know, so you go out there, you, you know, you throw that first pitch and then your nerves kind of calm down and then at that point it's just, you know, about competing. Um but yeah, I mean I, I mean that's that's really kind of what Mark said. I mean that's that's really that's really that's really humbling what he said. I mean that's really, really nice. Um but Again, as a competitor, you're just going out there and competing your tail off and hoping that what you do is good enough to give your team a chance to win. Because, again, I knew what happened the day before. We didn't have much. We didn't have anything in our bullpen, And I, we knew we needed everything um, moving forward. You know? And if we were lucky enough to win that game, chances are we probably were going to play South Carolina again. And the last thing we wanted was a repeat of the year before against Florida State. And, um, you know, so, again, I just, I just battled. I tried to make every pitch like the game uh, counted on it. And, uh, and luckily I was able to, you know, <laughs> able to throw a complete game and we were fortunate enough to come out on top. You get to that regional final, and, and for those that may not be
0: aware, by the way, it's worth noting, back then, the aluminum bats were, like, out of control. It's not like it is now where the bats are so controlled. and yet you guys are dominating these hitters who are playing with, basically, aluminum bats where, like, you know, you can throw the perfect pitch and they could still hit it out of the park. Not only that, you know, you mentioned Florida State the year before, but even South Carolina. I've heard from people that it's, it's like a bandbox, right? It's an offensive-friendly one, right, Jason? Because uh, the the next day, the two games did turn into a shootout. The first game, in particular, South Carolina won. You started the second game. You pitched well, but I've always maintained that had we not had to use you on Friday, you would have been. We would have won on Sunday because you would have been fresher. Did Friday take its toll on you in that Sunday game when you pitched?
2: Yeah, with, without a question. without a question. I mean, I think I threw about 80 pitches on Friday. <laughs> and to throw 80 pitches and one day rest and then to pitch again another six innings, like that's – that wouldn't even be done nowadays. Like we yeah. for doing that kind of stuff. That's not even a consideration now. <laughs> um, and I, I want to go – I'll go on record saying that Well, we were in that last game, you know, we, we lost a close one, the first one on Sunday and, you know, we pitched everything we had left. Um, We went into the visitor's locker room between games and we're having sandwiches and everyone's super quiet because nobody knows who on earth can pitch. Like it it was pretty, uh, everyone was pretty certain that I couldn't even throw. Um, And Nobody knew what was going to happen, and I can see the coaching staff wrestling with the idea of who's going to start. And I just go over to him and said, "I'm starting." I go, "What do you mean, who's going to start?" I go, "I'm the guy. Like, give me the ball, and, and I'm going to start." And that pitching performance that day for me—I well, think I gave up a couple runs over five or six innings. It wasn't my best performance, but the adrenaline of the early part of the game—I want to say I think I struck out seven or eight out of the first nine guys mm-hmm. and then you know when fatigue starts to set in they got a couple of hits and score a couple of runs and it was a much lower scoring game um but I I want and I think for so I speak for Justin as well that those last the last outing of my career and the last outing of his career like that's how we want to be remembered like that, that that's what I want people to remember about what we did and what we were able to accomplish at UCF was the gutsy performance that he gave when he knew no one else was coming behind him. Um, and then the performance on Sunday to say, I don't have much left, but I'm still the guy for you. I mean, that, those, are the, those are the things that I'm the most proud of um, at my time at UCF. And I hope that UCF fans or people that know us realize that that last outing that we had, and you know, we gave everything we had to that school. The draft, was, the draft was that next week. Everything was on the line for our careers personally. Him throwing 149 pitches was not the smartest professional move. I can tell you that right now. Me throwing 80 pitches and having one day rest and doing it again the next day, those are not smart moves for our health and our career. But we didn't even think about that. Like That wasn't even a consideration for us. It was you – know, we love UCF and – we wanted to win for our school and for those guys in the locker room and our coaching staff. And I-, I can tell you right now, knowing all the science and everything I know today about pitching, and if I was back in that situation again with the draft coming that next couple of days, I would do it all again. No question about it. I would do the same exact thing.
3: Hopefully a Yeah, lot of-
2: 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and again, I, it's
0: worth pointing out, and that, that regional really was stacked. I mean – Princeton hit everybody in that regional. It wasn't just us. I mean, they beat Citadel, who was the three seed, 11 to 6. And I remember they pushed South Carolina to the limit. You almost had to play Princeton, which would have worked out probably better. But Princeton pushed them. It was an eleven to seven game. I mean, you could argue that was a stacked regional. That Princeton was probably better than a four seed. They probably were. They probably were seated a four seed. Oh well, they're an Ivy League team. But they probably, if, if with the research today, would have probably been better than a four seed. Uh, and South Carolina was really good. They would go on to lose in the supers to south the stanford who ended up losing to miami for the national title and i think you guys would have beaten stanford in the supers in a weird way i think the super regional format and even today's format where you didn't have to play double headers uh, you could have played. You know, the way the baseball regionals are set up today, where you actually have a day off or play each day. You don't play two games in a winner on a regional final. You would play one on Sunday, then one Monday. Would have helped you guys today. I think you guys would have would have been set up perfectly in today's day
3: and age to go that deeper run than it was back then with the setup. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, go, going into that, we knew we knew where we were going. We knew the winner of that regional where they were going. And I mean, Jason and I, we talked about it, like we win this, we go to Stanford with he and I going, again, we would, I would put up, uh, put us up against anybody in the country for a one, two punch, um, you know, with the confidence that we had and with the confidence that our team had playing behind us. And, um, and then, you know, kind of going back to Jason's point too, when he came in, when he started the second game, I mean, Talk about – not that I didn't already have the utmost respect for him, but you want to talk about gaining respect from your peers, from throwing what he did on Friday and then coming back on Sunday. And I, from what I remember is he started that game off, and I'm like, holy cow, we have a chance. And then he just ran out of gas because he threw – I mean, literally every single pitch that he threw that weekend was yeah. a stressful pitch. I mean, every pitch he threw was a stressful pitch, from the first pitch he threw against Princeton to the last pitch he threw against um, South Carolina on that Sunday. But, I mean, he's right, too. I mean, gosh, I mean, we loved UCF, loved it, still loved it. And, I mean, that's a great point of of your last game being remembered that way and putting everything on the line. And like he said, I would do it all over again. I would throw 200 pitches if I had to – As a competitor, I'm not going to back down from anything, from anybody at any time. Um, You know, will it hurt me in the future? Who knows? It may have. I don't know. But at the time, as a competitor, you're going to give everything you have and leave everything you have on the field.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And it was uh, amazing. You know, that South Carolina team, a lot of them came back the next year. And that was the team that I was referring to earlier that played for the national title the year after that. So, I mean, you ran into some great teams back then. And, you know, I know, uh, you know, it was tremendous. What was it like? A couple more questions. What was it like playing for Coach Bergman? And talk about the coaching staff that Coach Bergman had back then and kind of help you guys get there and then kind of play your high level there. Uh, Justin, starting with you, talk about the coaching staff.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was good, like I was saying earlier. I mean, just not only the whole team was fun to be around, but it was the coaching staff also. I mean, Coach Bergman, I mean, he knew when to keep things light and play around, but then he knew when to get serious. And then having Coach Cozart, Craig Cozart as a pitching coach, I mean, that guy is amazing. We love that guy. And for me, me, you you know you have a good coach, good coaches, good leadership when you don't want to fail – because you don't want to let them down. And for me, that was how Coach Bergman and Coach Kozart were, is I did not want to let those guys down. Because, I mean, we built such a good relationship with them. And, I mean, they knew – again, they they knew what to do on a daily basis. They knew when to play around, when to be serious, kind of when to put your arm around you. And, I mean, Coach Bergman, so after the – I think it was after my second game, my pitch of the season – he brought me into the office and was like, hey, listen, like, just relax. Just do your thing. You know, what you do is good enough. You don't need to try to do anything more than that. And it kind of relaxed me a little bit. And then after that, I kind of went on a roll. Um, but you knew those guys always had your back, were always in your corner. And, uh, and again, I mean, that's that's how you know you love the coaches that you play for is when you are working hard because you do not want to let those guys down.
2: Jason,
0: hey, what do you take from that coaching
3: staff that you
0: probably still use today as, your, as part of your coaching?
2: Yeah, without question. It, it, it was a really good balance of guys. You know, um, Coach Bergman was the, the consummate manager and leader and overseer of the program and um, always did a great job of in-game management, I felt like. <clears throat> and Like Justin said, he always knew when to keep it light, and we needed that, and he always knew when to kick us in the butt because we needed that. Um you know, and Coach Brady, you know, he had, he deserves a lot of credit for that team because he was the primary recruiting guy for that team. Mm-hmm. And um, he was able to bring that group of guys together, which, man, we uh, can't say enough about what he did there. And then Coach Kozar, man, he was a young coach at the time. And um, he, uh, what he did with that pitching staff for us and then for years later, um, you know, I was reading something today about coaching and it um, made me think of him and, he coached with passion and he coached with fire and he had the knowledge that he needed and all that, but he coached with love. And that's what it's really all about. And, um, he is still, he, he's probably my biggest mentor in my life today. Still. Um, we talk about every week or two, um, all kinds of different stuff. And, um, he is just a remarkable man. And, um, when you are that the coaching kind of takes care of itself and, um, I feel blessed to have been part of that, you know, um, learn from those guys. And then Coach Wolf was our volunteer coach that year. And, um, you know, I see him now. He coaches some professional mm-hmm. baseball, but he co- helps out at Seminole State. So I've got to see him the last couple of years, and we reminisce about the 2001 team every time we see each other. And um, just uh, – it's just that portion of your life in that one-year kind of memory capsule that – I and mean, you really never will forget ever. I mean, Justin said in the beginning, he's like, "I'm not sure how much I remember." And it's funny to hear now we start talking about it, how much you actually remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's like it, it imprinted on you. You know, that was a special, special year. I was just
3: trying to set myself up for not failing for the questions.
2: Parachuting <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's my Friday smart, night guy.
3: <laughs> but yeah, I want, you know, Yeah, pretty smart. You know, I want to, you know, I want to kind of. Piggyback that too a little bit, yeah. I mean, I know I didn't mention Coach Freddie, but I mean, obviously, Coach Freddie is instrumental in our careers and bringing us bringing us there. And again, like Jason was saying, putting put, putting together a team that gave us a really good chance and a really good opportunity to do something special there. And I mean, one thing do I, I that I do really feel bad about is 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 not going farther for Coach Bergman because, I mean, God, this guy, I mean, he's got such a good heart and it it's pretty – it's tough knowing the opportunity that we had and the potential that we had and, and not taking advantage of it because um, that was a great opportunity for us to do something really special for that man. And uh, it's just unfortunate. I mean, but obviously in sports it happens. Um, but uh, hopefully one day that school can, can – can can move on and get past that and do something special.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I think they're heading the right direction there. I've been kind of back with Coach Lovelady there. Uh, last thing, you both got inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame. Jason, you got in, I think, in 06. Uh Justin, I think you got in what, 13, I think 13. it was the year? Thirteen. What yeah, 13. what did it mean? What did it mean to both of you to be inducted into your school's Hall Athletics Hall of Fame? And what do you want fans? to to remember you guys and that team in particular but you guys as well as individuals that uh, you want fans to remember
3: you all by and that honor of being in the hall of fame had to mean a lot to both of
0: you start with you Justin
3: uh yeah I mean obviously anytime you can get honored for what you have done on the field um I mean it's pretty special it's it's kind of hard to explain really. I mean, it's such a good feeling and knowing that all for me, I mean, I'm, I'm so big on hard work and I feel like all the hard work that I put in, um, really paid off. And for how much we love that school and to be tied to that school for the rest of our lives. I mean, we're going to be long gone, and our name is still going to be up in that school. It, I can't even tell you how much that means to me. Um, to me, I'm sure to Jason also. But it's such—it's—I mean—it's such a huge honor to be in, in a Hall of Fame. I mean, it's—I—I I can't even again—I can't even—I um, can't even describe or explain it. And then, what you, do you have a second question also? Yeah, just what do you want fans to
0: remember you by? That you know, that didn't concede? What would what, when, you know? What do you want people when they think Justin Pope? What do they want What do you want them to think about?
3: probably like what Jason said, that last game that we pitched, we gave everything we had, but not just that last game. I mean, every game that we, we, we pitched every, every pitch that we threw, we, we gave everything that we had. Um, And not even, not even in the games. I mean, in between starts, it could be on a Wednesday in the middle of the season and we're doing what we're doing to help put us in a good position in a good situation to help the team win. So, I mean not not only for what we were doing in the game, but the work we were putting in between starts um and now we, we gave us we gave everything we had I mean literally we gave everything we had until that last pitch of against both well, both of us against South carolina
0: okay so what do you what do, what do you uh recall- inducted in a hall of Fame and how you want people to remember you
2: yeah, that's uh you know you play as long as we and Justin were blessed to be able to play you know you naturally you kind of um acquire a lot of neat awards and accomplishments over your time plan and um it's really not even close uh, being inducted to the UCF Hall of Fame is the biggest and, and best honor that I've ever received anywhere and um you know the thing I'm most proudest of for my you know athletics uh, career and performance um is being in, inducted into the Hall of Fame um was super neat to be there. Uh, Justin was there the night that I got inducted and the coaching staff was there and just, um, you know, I was young at the time, you know, getting inducted pretty early. Um, I knew the, the magnitude of it. My brother was uh, a student at UCF at the time and now my two other brothers have also went to UCF. Um, just to think about the, you know, the family legacy that started by me deciding to go to UCF now you know, our whole family is UCF. I met my wife at UCF. Um, you know, I just – it's um, its almost emotional, you know, to think about that place and, you know, <clears throat> thanks to Coach Lovelady for getting us back involved and the alumni getting back involved. And I felt closer to that school and program the last three years than I have in the ten years prior to that. And uh, getting to go back <clears> – <throat> you know, five, six, eight, ten times a year now, and we just became UCF season ticket holders uh, for football. And I just I had a birthday a couple of days ago, and my wife got me a, a big old flagpole and set up, and we had a huge UCF flag flying in front of our house now. I mean, we're – my kids are UCF through and through. There's just – at the moment, they're like, there's no way I'm going anywhere else. Like, the other schools mm-hmm. don't even exist. It's It's horns down everywhere in our house. I mean, <laughs> every – Everything we do, I mean, the school has, you know, you said how they remember me by, I don't know, just being a competitor, probably doing whatever it is that the team asked of me um, and never giving in ever at any time. What the school has given me and given my family is far greater than what I was able to give that school. I mean, it's a a place that um, I'll always love and it has a special place for me for sure. Yep.
0: Well, that that's pretty good. Cool. That's pretty good. And Greg Lovelady, of course, uh, has done has brought you a lot of you guys back, which has been awesome. I know he's excited about that and. We're I'm excited to get getting the chance to talk to you guys and talk about the memory lane here a little bit because like I said, I was a student at that time and that was when I got hooked on UCF baseball. And I'm not alone. I know there was a lot of people that went to the stadium there that first year and watched you guys play. And I think you guys gained a lot of fans for the program that still come to games today now at John Liano Park. So a lot of people owe you guys a thank you as well for what you guys did for the program and for the school as well and the the, the great memories you guys have uh, brought us. So I, I really appreciate you guys sharing some of the great stories uh, from your time here at UCF because I think a lot of people certainly appreciate that. And I know, Jason, you still believe that's the best team that baseball program has had to this
2: point. Well, proof's in the pudding, yeah. I don't think it's really, uh, you know, I don't know what Justin said when he went and talked to the team, but when I talked to the team this fall, um, my message to them was, Hey, yeah, I'm proud to have been part of that team. And I, I really do believe we're the best team to ever play there. But I'm getting kind of tired of saying that. Like, I'm ready for some team to step up and be better than us. Um, not sure when that will happen, but I feel pretty confident that that day is coming. Um, they had a heck of a team this year. It's disappointing that they didn't get to see that. It. How, that, how That ended up playing out. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, I think so, man. And, of course, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm unbiased, but – um, you win 51 games, you're doing something right.
3: Yeah.
2: Justin, you talked trash to
0: Greg Lovelady about that. Hey, we had the best team. Go ahead and try to top
2: us there a little bit there. Or
0: kind of shy away from that because Greg might bring up the fact he won the national title that year at Miami in 01. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Only because they didn't yeah, play us, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, he, he knows what was going to happen if he brought that up with, you know, Jason and I coming at him. but uh, no. I mean, I kind of, I, I didn't really bring that up too much. Um, I just kind of said the same thing of just taking pride in, um, and and being at UCF and knowing what was before you, um, and just time to time to build this thing, you know, and move forward and and um and grow into a powerhouse. And and the the atmosphere for sure was. It was, it was much different than what I have seen in the past. And even talking to some guys, um, some former players that played for other coaches, um, you could just tell the atmosphere was much better and it's going, it's going in the right direction for sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'll, I'll echo that and, and to say the neatest thing about going – I've spoke to the team a couple of times now. And the neatest thing for me is after I speak to the team, man, I just turned 41. These guys are in their primes at 20, 21 years old. Um, Who is this guy? They probably don't look at UCF record books. Maybe some of them do. Um, They may have heard my name or Justin's name, but they don't really know us. Um, And to see the amount of attention and respect that they gave me while I was talking and after I finished and coming up and thanking me for being there, and that makes me proud of our alma mater's head coach and the direction and the leadership that's there right now. That makes me uh, excited for the future um, and what he's doing to help not only the program to win games, but turn those, those kids into, into quality young men, which is really the most important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Well, guys, uh, appreciate you coming on. That's Jason Arnold, Justin Pope, two UC, uh, UCF Athletic Hall of Famers, to the best of all time, to wear the uh, the, ba- the baseball diamond there at UCF. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and spending some time with us and telling some of the great stories from those years, because that was some of the uh, my favorite years following UCF Athletics, and you guys were a big part of that. And uh, this has been a joy for me, and I sure is for a lot of people in the audience listening that uh, followed you guys closely. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys in person. Hey, maybe next year, maybe 20-year anniversary of the 0-1 team. Maybe we can do something <laughs> in person there.
2: So love, lady. I think that's a great idea. There There's you good. go. That <laughs> is you. a thanks great idea. Thanks for great having Andrea. us on, man. Thank you so much. That is Rhea. a great idea.
3: Yeah thanks, for, yeah, thanks for having us on. I think we do need to have a 20-year anniversary to really rub it in their face to show man. them what the best team's all about.
2: <laughs> maybe when Stetson's in town. That would be good. <laughs>
3: yes. There yes.
2: you go. <laughs> make, it, make it work, guys. All right, you take
0: care there. Yeah, thanks no, so thanks much, Eric.
2: Take care. See you guys.
0: And thanks again to Jason Arnold and Justin Pope. That was uh, awesome to uh, spend time with them, talk baseball for over an hour. Uh, hope people really enjoy that. Thanks to Zoom since that that helped make it possible. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was pretty cool there, uh, Jeff. But look, it was awesome, man. It was awesome to talk to the two of them and and let you know and and just kind of catch up. And it was just like the old days, and I just it was cool to share that experience because I think a lot of some of our audience may not be aware of some of these teams, and um, you know that was a team that really, and, and let's let's talk about what Jason mentioned there towards the end. He felt he feels today to this date it's still his best team ever, but you know they thought they were going to host and they didn't, and they didn't host, and nobody really gave them a reason why, and and if we talked about it at the end, I feel like if this was if that happened today, we we would have hosted. Uh, oh yeah, no and, doubt. You know, there's and it's a shame they didn't host. Think about it. They were a number 1 seed and shipped out to South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just doesn't, that, that doesn't even happen in today's college baseball anymore. Well, it was it, just a crime. They won they, uh, 51
1: they won 51 games that year and they finished number yep. 17 in the country. 51 games um and <laughs> and you get sent on the road. Uh, you know, and, and by the way, that wasn't for, that wasn't for you know any lack of you know some they had some nail biters here and there in the in the TAC tournament. I mean, obviously they rolled over Troy State in that first round and Campbell in the second round. Uh, that you know FAU took them to took them to extras in the third round, but they beat them six to five. And then they actually lost that first game with, with Jacksonville in the finals, but then came back and knocked them out eleven to two. Um, Interesting, four four UCF pitchers, all four all four UCF pitchers made the all-tournament team, Pope and Arnold, along with Burt Clark and Von yep. David Sturzbach, who actually kind of took over as the Friday starter the following year, I remember. Um well, Jeremy- what's
0: funny about Sturzbach, he was kind of a, one of their de facto late-inning guys. Right. Players. Remember, they were taking over for Arnold that year, and you're right, then he moved into the rotation the following year.
1: And I remember he had a very good year. He he was solid that next year. And then Matt Fox came in the year after, yep. and he was excellent. But um, these guys, you know, and both these guys, like you said, they, and like they alluded to, they stayed in baseball. I remember following, you know, it, uh, Jason Arnold was the one guy who I always followed in the Yankees system because they, they had drafted him in the second round. Uh, he was with Staten Island, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of coming up through there. And he was with the Tampa Yankees for a little bit. Um, and then, uh, and then he went to uh, I think it was Oakland in the Ted Lilly trade, um, where the uh, where the Yanks got uh, let's see in July Arnold was traded in a deal that sent he, oh, no, he he Ted Lilly and John Ford Griffin went to the A's and then the it was a three way deal the Yanks got Jeff Weaver from the Tigers and the Tigers picked up Carlos Pena Franklin German and Jeremy Bonderman from Oakland talk about a, talk about a blockbuster deal at the time. Meanwhile Justin Pope uh, also interestingly enough pitched for the uh, pitched in the Yankee system but he started with the Cardinals they had drafted him in the first round and uh, he was he actually started with the New Jersey Cardinals which are out in Sussex County west of New York City and and and, and you know I've actually been to New Jersey Cardinals games out there um, he was the uh, you know as high as number five in the Cardinals system and then interestingly enough the Yankees actually, picked him up in uh, in 2003 um, in a trade that sent Sterling Hitchcock to the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and Pope made it, I, I, I think he made it as, uh, as high as AAA with the then-Columbus Clippers and then Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, but spent most of his time in Trenton with the Thunder. Um, uh, he he then coached in the Yankees' uh Uh, it went into coaching in the Yankee system and is, and is still there now with the, uh, with the Gulf Coast league Yankees East uh, as of 2019 too. So um, it's funny. These guys are baseball lifers, man. Well, Uh,
0: Justin. Well, Justin was with the Marlins now as he, Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He talked about with the Marlins. I mean, and Jason's head coaching there at Eastern Florida state, which we had him on. What was it about a year ago? Yeah, about a year ago.
1: Yep. Um,
0: so they're, they're still involved in the game of baseball and helping out. And I think it's cool. You could hear the passion in their game with baseball over there as well. So uh, it, it's pretty pretty awesome. And like I said, they should have hosted uh, that year. And if they would have hosted, I, you know, we talked about it in the interview. I think, you know, with the brackets the way they are and set up, they would have been – they were made to win a Super Regional, a two out of three. And I even think under the current regional scheduling where you didn't have to play – you know, nowadays you don't even have to play twice in one day to win a, a regional – uh, or play two games or things like that. They, they the schedule is a little more flexible to where you could get some rest and uh, win games. But they should have hosted. and We'll never know what actually happened. You know that was what the Steve Sloan era right there. We don't know if UCF just didn't have the money to put in the bid, or they didn't put the bid in, or it wasn't enough, and or the committees just didn't want to put them in. I mean, it was probably a,
1: it was probably a combination of all of that, yeah, to be honest yeah, with probably. you, because you know, I, I mean, at that time, people forget. Like, I mean, you know, UCF was really struggling financially at that time. And, uh, you know, and still they came, they still came with just one win shy, you know, lost those two games at, at uh, in Columbia, um, you know, after they had beaten South Carolina eight to six that year. And, um, yeah, yeah. and they were on it an amazing a, game. They, yeah. And those teams were on a, those teams were on a collision course and uh, South Carolina actually ended up losing to Stanford in the super regional. Um, and then uh, Stanford, um, you know it ended up uh, well, where do they end up? They ended up losing to or they lost they uh lost to Miami interestingly enough the national champion in the final game. in the national championship game and if I'm not mistaken, Eric Lopez the uh, catcher of that Miami team was one Greg Lovelady wasn't it?
0: Yes, he was. Uh, we don't know if they still trash talk about that or not when they get <laughs> together as Justin and Jason they I mean they're obviously come as alumni and things like that, but uh that uh, that was some year, but there it, will always be a what if what if UCF would have hosted? Uh, and things like that but they had a heck of a team and uh, I would say Jeff arguably the you know Jason Arnold he said this last year when we had him on and he repeated it again this year he feels still it's the best UCF baseball team ever and I did some research about that and he's got a point he's got a case here right so I think the argument could be made if you look at the history of base the UCF baseball probably the four teams okay that will probably be brought up and i want to apologize to teams prior to 2000 all right because i i went back and looked up some of the advanced numbers and rpi stuff that didn't exist back then it really didn't start existing until 99 2000 so since 2000 we'll just go with that the four teams that are probably get brought up is 2001 2014 which had drew butera by the way right as the catcher with matt fox and uh kyle bono and D Brown, is a UCF Athletic Hall of Famer, that Wait, you, that not, not
1: 2014. You mean it was a 2002 or 2004?
0: 2004. 2004, doctor. 2004, yeah, okay, 2004, yeah. 2004. That's what I meant to say uh, with D Brown, and that was the team that lost to Stephen Drew in Florida State in the regional final in Tallahassee. A lot of Tallahassee.
1: That that, that 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 team actually got further in the regional than the uh, one team did because they'd won three games in that regional, forced an elimination game with with Florida State and then lost and and then lost that yeah, year they were that was about the
0: same they were both in the regional final about a win away a win yeah. away and ironically the 0-4 team had a similar pedigree with fox and bono being the one-two punch in the starting rotation and ironically bono had moved to the starting rotation after being the closer the year before talk right. about eerie and um, was pitch
1: and was pitching to his brother ryan who was there yeah. who's their battery mate yep. yeah
0: uh, which they work together, by the way, now in the community. Uh, yeah. And behind and, and Ryan, so- in fact,
1: Ryan I know is uh, it, uh he's a uh, little league coach up in Winter That's Springs, right. and yep. I see actually I would see it before the before everything went down I I saw him every every Saturday because he was coaching one of the teams in the same league as my son, and, and so so I see him out there and he's and he uh, a funny story about that he's out there with. You can choose the names of the team, right? So he chooses the Knights because, of course, he's going to choose this team is called the Knights. So, <laughs> so naturally. But anyway, go ahead.
0: Yeah, he's got dibs on that, I think. <laughs> uh, right. So the 0-4 team obviously has a case. 2012, which was the team with Ronnie Richardson and DJ Hicks and Darnell Sweeney and Chris Taliday yeah, That was that was Terry Rooney's, Terry Rooney's
1: Terry Rooney's best team.
0: Best team, you were around there. Uh, you know, you remember that, and arguably, you're right. Rooney's best team, and. Maybe arguably from a roster standpoint, the most talented team UCF's ever had when you consider all the guys that went on to play pro ball mm-hmm. uh, on that team. And then even the most recent team, probably Greg Lovelady's first year, 2017, when they won the American Conference Championship, first conference title since 2004. Uh, hard to believe that, that the program had, had that big of a drought from a regular uh, conference championship standpoint. So I would say those are the four that stands out. So I did some comparisons. All right. Let me read this real quick. So RPI, these were the final RPI numbers at the end of each respective season. 2001's final RPI was 20, 2004, 35, which is kind of surprising. 35, uh, 2012, 22, 2017, 22, So mm. 20, 2001 has the advantage there. Uh, top 50 wins that year. UCF uh, 2017 had nine wins. They were nine and nine against the top 50. 2012 was five and seven against the top 50. 2004, four and eight against the top 50. 2001, they went 15 and 11 against the top 50. So they blow away. And what's amazing about that is that year, the TAC or the ASUN, how you want to call it, was the 12th rated RPI conference. Uh, right. In comparison, in 2017, the American was rated fourth. You covered that league you, that you did that tournament that year. Mm-hmm. Fourth, uh, 2012 in Conference USA was the sixth-rated conference in the country, and then the 2014, which still was in the A-Sun, they were the 12th-rated conference. And so, despite the fact that the 2001 team played in a quote weaker conference based on conference RPI by a good number, I mean, we're talking about five six spot uh, eight to uh, six to eight spot difference still had a better rpi and still had more top 50 wins than all those teams so i think jason arnold has a legitimate case to say that the 0-1 team is the best ucf baseball team of all time
1: yeah and i don't think that the you know the thing with the a Sun at that time then it was known as still known as the Trans America athletic conference or the TAC. um at that time, it was really kind of a four-horse race year in and year out with all with all four Florida teams. It was always UCF and Stetson, Jacksonville, and FAU. And you know, even that year, FAU kind of had an off year, and they still won thirty-six games. Campbell yep. was kind of the new kid on the block. They had won thirty-three, but they were seventeen and ten in the conference. Um, Ju finished with thirty-nine total wins. Stetson made the
0: tournament. Made, made the, the tournament, right?
1: And, and they were in third place in the A Sun. The A Sun sent three teams to the uh, right. to the uh, to the NCAA tournament. Stetson went forty three and seventeen, nineteen and eight in the league, and they were second. <laughs> well,
0: and, and remember, and we talked about it in the interview that that UCF Stetson weekend series. Stetson was a top ten team at that point when they faced off in the in May for the regular season title in Delano. It was two weeks to go in the regular season. They had Lenny DiNardo, who who was drafted high draft pick for the Boston Red Sox. And it was a top-ten matchup, Pope versus DiNardo. I'll never forget Pat Clark, who you know well, longtime TV uh, uh, guy in the state of Florida. He was working for Sunshine Network at the time, him and Bill Faye, And they had that show on Sunshine Network. It was kind of like – it was kind of what today's version for those that live in the central Florida market, kind of what Spectrum Three Hundred and Sixty was back then. If, 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 you know, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that.
1: it was kind of it was kind of like a local sports center.
0: Yeah, and so that but that was the big hype was UCF and Stetson and how Pete Dunn and Jay Bergman and that would be thought that was maybe still some would argue it's one of Pete Dunn's best teams. And uh, at the time, the thinking was, hey, the conference championships on the line possibly the winner is in position to host a regional and oh by the way you've got justin pope and lenny Donardo. and ucf came in there and as you heard the guys talk about it swept them swept them out and in the land uh in a top 10 matchup and and you think about it that was brought up here in 2020 when ucf swept auburn at auburn think about the two series that was brought up when ucf swept auburn this year and you know the last time things happened well they swept Alabama at home that year in 01. That was the last SEC team UCF has swept prior to this 2020, and then the last time they swept a the nationally ranked team uh, on the road was that Stetson team with Lenny Leonardo in 01. So it's kind of eerie how it all goes full circle, but that was a big moment. They swept Stetson and then wrapped up the regular season title the following weekend, and then you mentioned the tournament in Jacksonville where they played JU. JU made its way to the final. They forced an if-necessary game, and as jason arnold said that just made him more angrier and they blew him out
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's funny how that works out that way like really you're gonna make us play twice okay watch this
0: <laughs> yeah but so. it's the all the news all the local news was all over that series they it was hype like a florida florida state type series would normally um and that was back when ucf stetson would play on the weekends not on midweeks like they do now so but that was uh Special time. I mean, it was uh, awesome. I mean, if you're a di- and I was a college baseball guy at that point, that was you. You couldn't get caught, you know, help but get caught up to all that. It was yeah. unbelievable. It was fun.
1: It was a it was a fun time. It was it was a fun time to be, you know, to be a UCF baseball fan. And and that I, I think that era, it, it's underrated how that era still echoes today in in how you know passionate UCF baseball fans are about the program. Like, and it shows like how good they were um you know it, it, it still it still resonates today it still resonates today with the program
0: well it's a great tradition and i think greg credit to greg he's done a great job of getting the alumni back around in the mix right yeah like, he mean, really Kurt, has justin, and jason they're around the program now justin spoke to them uh, in the pat this past fall jason when we've talked about it numerous times i mean they're aware of it and they're not alone in that there's others and they have alumni gatherings and things like that. And I think that's helped. And I think that's what – I think Greg sees a lot of stuff he sees in the tradition of UCF baseball in a lot of ways, what he had, what he played at Miami, and their great tradition. And I think in college baseball that's big. And I think Greg sees that. And, you know, it's just so unfortunate with 2020, what could have been, right? I mean, what could have been? Because that maybe – we would be talking about the 2020 team in comparison to 01, and maybe 2020 would have – uh, in a lot of ways played for 2001 and did something that one should have been able to, to have a chance to do, which was host a regional. We'll never know, but it is part of that tradition and that connection with this program that goes back a long time. I mean, Chad Matola, who's the hitting coach for the Tampa Bay Rays, was an All-American UCF baseball player in the 90s. I mean, and it goes on and on. It's a, a rich history, but Pope and Arnold, um, unbelievable a one-two punch, two Hall of Famers in the UCF Athletic Hall of Fame, and I don't even think anybody would even – it's without question. And you could argue when probably the two best names in the history of the program for what they did for this program, and uh, you you could argue still do with their contributions on and off the field.
1: Right, and we're so thankful to them again for taking a trip down memory lane with us and and reminding everyone of how good – they were in the and what they established for ucf baseball real quick eric you remember how people can uh follow them nowadays well
0: pope is not on social media he's staying away oh, from he's okay stuff, he's but, uh, yeah
1: he's yeah he's the smartest one out of all of us to be honest yeah
0: that. but uh jason obviously you can follow through eastern state florida uh, on their twitter obviously they follow him there and i know he's on facebook over there but uh and things like that, so they kind of, but uh, you know, they, you'll you'll hear them from time to time. Believe me, uh, yeah. they uh, what an honor that was cool, man. I felt young again. I felt young doing that interview <laughs> where we just kind of catch you up. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you know, I was not Mark there. I mean, and that was back then too, where like there was not a lot of TV uh, in those games, so I had to listen right. to a lot of them on the radio, like Mark Daniels and the regionals, and we talked about that and and we didn't. The they did
1: at the time. We weren't streaming them either, right? I mean, no.
0: You imagine that? Holy shit.
1: I know. That didn't come that didn't come around until you and I showed up.
0: Yep. We'll do it after <laughs> that around 08, 07, 08 range when the video board. Well, videos
1: were well yeah. even before then like when we were working at student radio, you had nightcast and and I was yep. at WNSC and we were doing games um there and we were we were streaming them on Shoutcast. The games that Mark That's didn't true. do and we were like, <laughs> you know, they they capped our they capped our uh our listenership to 200 we had to call them and ask them to remove the cap sometimes because we were we started maxing that out because that was the very first very beginning of uh internet radio streaming so but uh man that was the uh that was a fun that was a fun time so all right eric that's been uh uh that was great man thanks for thanks for getting that together and thanks for pulling all together that was an absolute blast
0: yeah it was a lot of fun thanks to them for joining us and taking the time and talking some ucf baseball and uh Hope everybody's enjoyed these UCF Rewind Series episodes we've done. We've got a lot of them. It, obviously, we've done that. with We did one with softball with 2015 McKenzie Otis, Shelby Turnier, which is kind of the Pope and Arnold of softball version a few weeks back. And then we had Adam Amin, who uh, broke down the USF football game. He's been in the headlines recently.
1: <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs>
0: uh, so much For, for that. good reasons, and, uh, for good
1: reasons, good reasons.
0: Hey, we helped them, all right? Uh, so we had. That we'll take credit online. for
1: it. Yep. <laughs>
0: we got some great other episodes coming out in the future too. Some rewind series, football related, and other sports too. So uh, just keep it here on the black and gold banner as well as all the latest on our website.
1: You got it. So uh, thanks once again to Jason Arnold and Justin Pope for uh, for spending your time with us. Thanks, thanks to you, Eric, for putting it together. Thanks to all the fans for listening. Uh, this has been the black and gold banner at pot the podcast UCF rewind edition we'll be back with more next week